grace. I thank you for the anointing upon my life to preach the word, to teach the word. I believe the spirit of the Lord has risen upon me and he has anointed me to preach and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I believe for the anointing upon these people and anyone listening via live stream that they're going to be anointed to receive the word. Their hearts are fertile ground, I declare, for the seed and water of the word. And we look to you, almighty God, for the increase. And Lord God, by your grace, we're not just going to be hearers of the word, but we're going to be doers thereof. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been on a series in here now for, I don't believe this is part 14. I'm not 100% certain. I didn't write down the, the, uh, the number of the, this lesson. But anyway, um, we've been on it for quite a while on be being filled. Be being filled. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, the Greek meaning of those words, be filled, is something that's supposed to be a continuous action. Something that's supposed to be going on and on and on with our lives every single day. I, am, I, I implore you, by the Spirit of the living God, to keep yourself filled with the Spirit. Do not, now hear me now, do not think that you can survive the challenges of this life. Do not think you can survive the challenges of this life having been filled with the Spirit. I want us to be a church that is rising up to be who God created us to be. I want us filled with people who are doers of the word as we've been talking about. And part of doing the word is to be being filled with the spirit. I, 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 you know what ends up happening with way too many Christians? Is they think they can survive on just one meal throughout the week imagine feeding your physical body only one meal in the whole week how 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 would you uh survive i mean you come to church you stay here for a couple hours and you go home and that's it that's your feel of god nothing else you don't sit, spend the only other time you pray is you do a quick prayer over the food that's sad isn't it the only other time that you read your Bible is when you come to church, and even then, you don't even read your Bible. You're, you're, you, you just look up there real quickly, scan up there real quickly. We should devour the Word. We should be eating on the Word. We should stay in the Word. It is something that impacts us as far as eternity is concerned. It will make such a difference in our lives. Are you hearing me? But you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And I'm not going to take the time and get back into all the different ways we can be filled with the Spirit. Because we've been talking about first getting filled with the Spirit. And we've been talking about how uh, uh, the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. And we talked about the fact that the Spirit comes to live within us the very moment we get born again. 
I mean, just quoting one of the scriptures, and this is my paraphrase of that verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is eternally defeated in this world. We got the Holy Ghost in us. He comes and takes up residence in our hearts the very moment we get born again. And then we talked about the Spirit upon us and how the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, comes upon you. Amen. There's a difference there, isn't there? There are two different occurrences. Getting born again in the Spirit coming and taking up residence in us and being filled with the Spirit and the Spirit coming upon us. He empowers us. He empowers us to fulfill our destinies. He empowers us to be a greater witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now this morning I want to continue on. And this is actually the fourth question along these lines. Uh, And it says, I mean, the question is this. Many argue that they have all the Holy Spirit they can have upon the new birth. Is this the truth? Now, I know that I I have literally heard a well-known minister who is not spirit-filled I was listening to Christian radio, and this happened actually years ago. I don't know how many years ago it was. But I, and I really enjoy reading this guy's books. But he made the statement as I was listening, I don't need any more of the Holy Spirit. I got all I need when I got born again. So basically, by saying that, he's saying to God, God, I know more than you do. Because isn't it God is telling us to be filled with the Spirit? Hello? Go with me this morning to Acts chapter 8. And I want to show you, this is when Philip went to Samaria, preached Christ to them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 8. Verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Do you see the importance of not only just preaching the word, but having accompanying signs and wonders when you do preach the word? It's not enough, my friends. I tell you, I believe this is one of the biggest issues with the church world today. They think just because you're an eloquent speaker, that's, that's all you need to get people born again. I'm going to tell you a little secret. If, that's what, if, again, that was all you needed to do, then why in the world were the miracles and signs and wonders done through the early church, the same church that we're a part of? Jesus is the one who said that, that you know, I mean, it was in, uh, what is it, in Mark Go with me to Mark real quick. I don't have the scripture. I believe it's Mark 16. Mark 16. Oh, come on now. Mark 16, verse 20. And they, speaking of the disciples, went out and preached everywhere. Notice the Lord working with them and confirming the word. Through the accompanying signs, amen. 
I have right there written, preach the word, and the Lord will confirm his word with accompanying signs and wonders. I expect that to happen when I preach the word of God. I I would not put myself up there as an eloquent speaker. If you've been with us for any length of time, sometimes I tear words up, sometimes I make words up. (laughs) But the bottom line is, I trust the Lord that when I preach the word, it shall be accompanied with signs and wonders. Why? To confirm the word in the lives of those who are hearing the word. So that they know that the God I'm preaching about is real. Amen. And so here, Philip goes down to the Samaritans and and he preaches to them. And and they, they heed what he said because they saw the miracles he did. Now it is verse 7. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And notice the result of people getting set free from demonic oppression. And people being uh, healed of sickness and disease. There was great joy in that city. People get happy when they're healed. People get full of joy when demons are gone out of their lives. Amen. Glory to God. These people were happy because of what Philip was doing. Not just preaching, but also being used by God to do the miraculous. Notice verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the same things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. What is that referring to? That is referring to the new birth. Amen. They, he, they, they received the word that, about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And they said, man, we, got, we, we, we need, uh, give me Jesus. I, I received Jesus into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. Now notice verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they had gotten born again, they sent Peter and John to them. Why would they need to send Peter and John to them if they already got born again and received the Spirit of God? Why would they send Peter and John to them? Verse 15, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What is that talking about? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had only been born again. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. In other words, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Hallelujah. Now, if getting born again and having the Holy Spirit come and take up residence in you is all the spirit that you need, then why did Peter and John go and lay hands on these Samarians to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because it's not. It's not the only dimension of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. Now, look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Should read through the book of Acts. 
Why? Because it's talking about the early church. Again, when you read through it, you've got to remind yourself, this wasn't just for them. This was also for me. This is also for me. Why do I say that? Because we're a part of the same church. Hello. Acts chapter 9 verse 3. As he, speaking of uh, 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 Saul at this point in time, soon to be Paul, journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Now, let me just stop and say something right there. Why didn't Jesus just say, why are you persecuting my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus and the church are one. Jesus and his body, the body of Christ, which we is, are one and the same. Your head and your body are not separated. That would be really weird. Maybe it would be a cool Halloween costume to carry your head around. But that's not the way it works, is it? Jesus and the body are one and the same. And so when, when, when Saul was persecuting the church, his body, Jesus looked at him and said, Why are you persecuting me? Oh, th- See, that's what you got to do when you're getting persecuted. When things, when the devil's stirring it up against you. Remind you, it's not coming against you personally. It's coming against Jesus. And if it's coming against Jesus, that means he's going to be there for you. To help you through it. To help you overcome it. Every single time. Woo, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Why are you persecuting me? In verse 5, and he said, who are you? Who? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, most people, most theologians believe this is where the apostle Saul got born again. The apostle Paul got born again. Doesn't the Bible tell us in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved? Now, obviously, Paul believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead because he's talking to him. And plus, notice what Paul calls Jesus in these verses. Or we could say who Paul confesses him as. He calls him Lord. Believing he's been raised from the dead, calling him, confessing him as Lord, equals being born again. And I believe that's exactly what happens right here. That's what Romans 9 9 and 10 says, and I believe that's the end result of what happens here with the Apostle Paul. He is born again. But then he has to go away, and they take him to this house, and and he goes there, and he can't see. He had been blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. Okay, I'll stop right there. Hallelujah. I sang last week too. There's something about me in the singing songs. Yeah, praise the Lord. Verse 17. Look at verse 17. And Ananias, 
that the Lord had dealt with Ananias, went his way and entered the house, the house where Paul was at, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. So does An- this say that Ananias came to preach the gospel to the Apostle Paul? It doesn't say that, does it? As far as Ananias was concerned, Saul was already born again. How do I know that? Because he calls him brother Saul. You see that? But why did he come? To lay hands on Paul that he might receive his sight and that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is when Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know some people like to argue with, see, see, Paul didn't speak in tongues when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Have you read the Bible? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that Paul's spoken tongues more than you all. He wrote chapter after chapter. He, boy, I can could, I could get off on something. I shared this with my wife. I was over there when I was reading a book. And, I, and I, I, this is by Brother Rick Renner. Oh, the man can teach. Glory to God. But he was talking about how many believe that communion is for us today? Taking communion. There's no questions about that. How many believe that water baptism is for us today? Are there any questions? About, nobody has any questions about that. Did you know that in the Bible, I believe there's only like 25 scriptures that actually talk about being water baptized and around the same amount for uh, uh, communion. But you want to know how many Bible verses are in the Bible about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues? Four times as many. Over a hundred do you think God is a good steward of things that he does? I mean, why would he waste all that amount of space in the Holy Bible if it wasn't for us today? Hello? It is for us today. It is still a gift to us from him today. Hallelujah. But I got off on a different one, but that's okay. So Paul gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And if all you needed of the Holy Spirit is when you get born again. Now, it's true. If that's all you got, you're still going to go to heaven. But why do we want to stop there? That's, if you really kind of analyze it, if you think about it, isn't that living selfishly? Uh, I'm going to show you here in just a moment. I'm going to, in fact, the very next point. When you get born again, it's really for yourself, isn't it? To keep you from going to hell. Get you getting to go to heaven. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just for you. It's for others. And we're going to see that very clearly in just a moment. So is this the only dimension of the Holy Spirit when we get born again? Is that it? Or is there another dimension? The Spirit of God coming upon us. Amen? So the next question is, why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Uh, Jesus answered and said to her, this is speaking of the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, whoever, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. A fountain of water 
springing up into everlasting life. Now look at John 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So in John chapter 4 here, Jesus is talking about what? Receiving eternal life which he refers to as a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you see that? But what about in John chapter 7? What is Jesus talking about in these verses? Receiving the Holy Spirit, which he refers to as living rivers of living water flowing out of your belly. In both of these sets of scriptures, Jesus uses water To represent the Holy Spirit. One experience in the Holy Ghost is when we get born again. And it involves the Spirit of God imparting eternal life into our spirits. The Glory to God. I can stop right there and I think I may. Mm, Glory. When you get born again, eternal life comes into you. Eternal life comes into you. The Bible, the Greek word is zoe, Z-O-E, with one of them little things on the top of the E. Huh? Yeah, whatever Jesus said. (laughs) Zoe, zoe, life. Now get this, the God kind of life. Did you, now I want to say something, I want you to catch this. Did you know that your spirit is just like God? Pastor Dan, are you saying you're God? I'm a child of God. I have his eternal life in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So, and and, and he calls it a fountain or well of water springing up into everlasting life. This is primarily for our own good. And our own special, uh, 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 personal blessing. It's also referred to as the new birth in John chapter 3. Receiving Christ in John chapter 1, 12. Receiving eternal life in 1 John 5, 11, And receiving the forgiveness of sins in Acts 26, 18. The other experience is re- referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whereby out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. This is also referred to receiving the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And even though this too will greatly benefit us, for those of us who have been filled with the Spirit, you know how it greatly benefits you. But it will also enable God's power to flow out of us to bless others. Glory to God. Rivers of living water. Rivers flowing out of us to bless others. Glory to Jesus. 
Now, another reason why we should desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit is, although we do, now get this, we do have the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us, I mean, coming in us the moment we get born again, the nine fruit of the Spirit. Everybody's heard of the nine fruit of the Spirit. What are those? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It is in you and me right now. Do you have love in you? You do. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Glory to God. How many know that fruit benefits us? But it's also true that the fruit is also to be grown for others to eat off of our tree. Hello? I mean, I don't know how it is with you, but when you come around a person, and your life might be in turmoil at that moment, but when you come around a person that is so full of the peace of God, and you start to hang with that person, all of a sudden you just kind of goes, kind of washes over you, so to speak. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to brag on my wife, but she gave me the dirty eye. I know she, but it's the truth. I can be around that woman, and I'm, I mean, it's just like it just kind of washes over you. You can, you can be having one of those challenging days. You could be having one of those moments in your life where you just would rather scream than anything else. But glory to God, when you come into the presence of someone that is operating in the nine fruit of the Spirit, and, she, and, and the thing about it is, they're really nice looking fruit, too. You can go up and you take it one off the brim, a little bit of that love, glory to God. But let me say this to you. It's called what? The fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it's something we're supposed to be growing in, developing in. If you never recognize that it's in you, you're not going to grow in it. But when you understand that it's already there and you recognize that it's there, I say to myself all the time, I thank you, Lord. Your love is in me. Your peace is in me. Your joy is in me. Your faithfulness is in me. Your gentleness is in me. Now, oh, here's a big one. Your self-control. Have you ever needed some control of yourself? <laughs> it's in you. It's a fruit of the Spirit, amen? Glory to God. That happens the very moment we get born again. Notice, though, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the introduction into the gifts of the Spirit. Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. I'm not going to spend a whole bunch. I'm just going to read through these. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. Uh, To another different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Another way to look at this, friends, listen to this. Once we get born again, the fruit of the Spirit is given for the purpose of holiness and growing and developing in character. Did you hear that? While the gifts of the Spirit are given for the purpose of being empowered to do what we couldn't do in and of ourselves. In other words, to do the miraculous. Glory to God. There's a difference there, isn't there? 
between each one. And one comes as a result of being born again. The other comes as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, two distinct and different dimensions of the Spirit of God. One that happens upon the new birth. The other that happens as the, uh, as the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see where I want to cut off. How long have I been preaching? Huh? Twenty-eight? Oh, I can go for another hour. Just, just kidding. Now we've already looked at Acts one eight. Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost, at which time they'd receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit from the Father, and as a result, would be endued with power. From on high. Why? The Bible tells us in Acts 1.8. So that they would become stronger. More effective witnesses for Christ. I shared this last week. But it bears repeating right now. Think about Peter. He went from a state of denying Christ three times. To being. Glory to God. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost. And he came down out of that upper room, a preaching machine. And he got up and he preached after people were ridiculing them and making fun of them and saying they were drunk. And he got up and preached the gospel. And he led thousands to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Something happened to Peter when, when he went from a, a person who was whimpering and crying and, and overwhelmed because of his denials of Christ to the place where he stood up and didn't let anybody intimidate him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he preached under that anointing. And when he preached under that anointing, thousands got born again. Praised, can you see the difference there? Can you see the difference there? The bottom line is that we are still the same church as the early church. And guess what? The early church was a tongue-talking church. Can't, you cannot prove to me from the Bible that it's passed away. But I can prove to you from the Bible that it's still available today. The only prerequisite to being filled with the Holy Ghost is you must be born again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me share this one last thing, and I'm going to stop right here. This is point six. And this, this is pretty much a summation. You ought to write this down. You ought to put this in your Bible somewhere. Jesus is God's gift to the world. Jesus is God's gift to the world. The Holy Ghost is God's gift to his children. Amen. You preach Christ to the world so they can receive salvation. You preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit to Christians so that they can become empowered. Both are gifts from God. Amen. Do you see that? I want a church full of tongue talkers. Not just so I can have a bunch of church people in here speaking in other tongues. But because I know what it will do for you. You know, I did a teaching, I don't remember how long ago it was, on being a more effective witness for Christ. Right there's your answer. 
You want to become a more, Jesus told them, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will empower you to be a more effective witness for him. Wherever you go, it's amazing. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak with other tongues, your, your heart becomes ever more sensitive to the Spirit of God. And you'll go up to people on the street and all of a sudden God will give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom for that individual. And you'll share that word of wisdom with that person. And they'll look at you and say, how did you know that? And you can say to them, my God just showed that to me. Reveal that to my heart. My point I'm trying to get to is when you are filled with Him, with the Spirit of the living God, I'm telling you what, you, it won't be just something that you repeat. You know what I'm saying? Just, you just keep pushing the same button. Say the same thing. Say the same thing. Say the same thing. Romans, what is it called? The Romans Trail of Salvation or something along those lines? Um, Romans Road of Salvation. I'm not saying it because it's, obviously it's in Romans. But the point I'm trying to make is you will say different things to different folks. You may, you may go up to an individual and, 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 and they're sitting there and you can tell they just the weight of the world is on them. And God leads you to tell them, listen to me. I will pray for you. I will pray for your baby right now. And when you do that, you do it as the Spirit of God is leading you to. And, and, and you take their hands and you pray with them that their baby will be healed. And when they get home, their baby is healed. Glory to God. Amen. What's going to happen? I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. It will be different every time. What, again, is our greatest witness? What is our greatest witness? Our lives, the way we live, the way we live. I said it last week over and over and over again. People need to know who we are, that we're Christians. Never be ashamed of being a Christian. You be bold about it. He saved you, and now he's filled you. And now we're going to go out and make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. We worship you. We praise you. We believe that this word has entered the hearts of the people. And we're trusting you again, Lord God, as I prayed earlier, for the increase in their lives. Father, I'm praying for the people who live, listen to live stream, who may not be filled with the Holy Ghost. There might be people in this room who are not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. But Father God, my prayer is that their eyes will be open to the revelation from the Word of God about the fact that this is a gift available to each and every one of us. I again know the difference.